0: Our gospel passage for tonight is coming from Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, verses one through six, and then we'll jump over to verse 16 through 21. So at this time, I invite you to stand just now, you're able in body and spirit, and honor the reading of the gospel passage. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting truly I tell you they have received their reward but when you fast put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others but by your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth and where moths and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust consumes and, whether, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Every church I've served kind of has
1: an um, unspoken dress code for the preacher. Now, it's very rarely spoken. It's not like when you have your covenant meeting, they say, no, preacher, we need you to dress this way. But when you've been in a church long enough, you kind of you learn what the assumed dress for the preacher is in, in every church you're at, you know? Uh, most of them have been your what I call preacher-slash-banker clothes, khakis and polos. Pretty typical. In the Delta, that's what I, I wore pretty much. You know, I, I, I've always liked to wear my collar, so I wear my collar. You know, it get, gets you in and out of hospitals quick. Sometimes you have the occasional um, Waffle House waitress calling you a father, and then it, I don't have time to explain. Just I'm Methodist. We're good. So you have that. But, you know, that's what I wore in the Delta. was pretty much khakis in a, in a polo or button-up shirt. Same thing here. Um, but my two most adventurous uniforms was when I was in... Outside of Philadelphia, very rural country. Um, so I attempted um, to wear cowboy boots there. A lot of cows had to die to get boots that big for my big old Hoppers. Like a lot of good t- good cows met their end to get the leather for that. And plus, I don't exactly—I know you're just going to shock you looking at me because you know that I'm so athletic. I'm not a very light touch when I walk. So my cowboy boots, when I'd go to the hospital, you'd hear me coming for five miles off. Clomp, 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 clomp. It'd be easier just riding on a donkey. It'd been a lot more quiet to do that. So, hey, when I was out, when I was out of Philadelphia, I tried, to, I tried to dress like that. And then when I was in pedal, it was a very contemporary church. I'm, I mean, I, I wore blue jeans to preach in most Sundays. I wore T-shirts to the office. i never forget when I was meeting with David Carroll. Transitioning here, one of my first questions was, well, what does the church expect me to wear? Like like what what's the appropriate dress for the pastor of this church? And David said, Well, I don't always have my coat on, but I always have it with me. To which my response is, I don't always have on socks. <laughs> so I guess I've got to learn coming now. I do wear socks here. Y'all train, y'all trained me well. So, but you know, every every and I think that's why I have gotten to where I like wearing the collar. I, I joke I put on my work clothes. I had, a, I had a friend of mine in Petal who was the um, Army ROTC guy at Southern Miss. His name was Bo Worley. Bo was a dear friend of mine to this day. And, and Bo would um, talk about how he would, oh, there's a bunch of y'all back there tonight. You got a house full tonight, Tim. Um, when, 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 when Bo would uh, go to work, he put on his fatigues, and he was Lieutenant Colonel Worley. And when he finished his job at the, at the, at the, at the ROTC, he would then leave. And go work out at the pain center, and then he'd put on his civilian clothes. He was he was Beau, and the clothes were kind of synonymous to what place he was in his mind at that point. So I think that's I think that's useful. I think that's one thing I've got to. I like wearing the collar. It kind of helps me keep my mind framed in the right right position. Plus, I have to be nice to everybody because I look like a preacher now. So I kind of got to be nice to everybody. What you wear matters. No shoes, no shirt, no service, as you've heard it said. You might not realize it, but tonight's passage, tonight's scripture was about what you're supposed to wear as a Christian. This is part of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And what's interesting, it's very interesting, you need to pay attention to language when you read the Bible. And you know what's interesting about Jesus? Jesus makes an assumption in this passage. You know what Jesus' assumption is for us as Christians? The assumed norm for Jesus was fasting. He didn't say, "If you fast, do this." No, no. no. The language is this. He said, "When you fast, put all on your head. Don't go looking all, all tired and beat up. Don't go around complaining. But when, when you fast, because his assumed norm was that as a, a followers of Christ, we would fast. He said, when you fast, do this. When, when you pray, do it this way. When you give alms or when you give money to the poor, do it this way. Jesus, for his followers, has this assumption that we will be a praying people. That we will be a fasting People, that we will be a repentant people. That repentance simply isn't a virtue for those who convert to the faith, but that repentance should be a daily practice for all of us as Christians. So thus, when you fast, not, not if, but when, when you fast, do it this way. Put on your uniform. Dress in this way. Don't go around looking for the external approval of the fasting because if you're looking for the external approval of the fasting, then you've gained your reward. Jesus is saying the fasting, the disciplines, they aren't for the external approval we receive from humans, but they're from the internal growth we have. So when we fast and when we pray and when we give, For Jesus, that's the assumed norm that we will have as Christians. Tonight is Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of the Lenten season. And y'all know me. I love to hoop and holler. But I deeply, I deeply, I deeply love Lent, And I deeply love the reverence. That comes from Lent. I think the reverence we gain in Lent is so important because it focuses on some, us on some, several things. It focuses us on our need for Jesus. It focuses us on our inadequacies and, and the fact that we get it wrong a lot and that as Christians, that repentance should be our assumed norm. As Christians... Humility should be our assumed norm. As Christians, understanding grace, not works, should be our assumed norm. That should be how we're wired. That should be who we are. So Lent is this season to call us back to that, to call us back over to repentance, calling us over to fasting, calling us over to quiet. Calling us over to reverence. Calling us over to humility. To give our hearts and our souls the space and the quiet they need. So many of us in Lent give up something. Some of us take up something. And the word with get what you give up, this is what I always tell people. You have to give up something you like. You have to give up something you miss. Your fasting in Lent is not a diet to lose weight. It's not a health care plan you give up something that you're going to miss and you're going to get irritated when you don't have it. Because when you miss it and you get irritated, that's your call to pray. The fasting is simply a call to pray. The fasting is a call to pray. This is a prayerful season. The Lent emerged in the earliest days of the church because in the earliest days of the church, you couldn't just join the church. Rome was persecuting Christians. So before somebody would join the church, they had a three-year period of fasting and prayer to make sure they knew what they were getting into. To make sure the Christians knew, when you join this church, this could be your death warrant. You could die because of this decision. You could literally die because of this. Are you sure you know what you're getting into? You sure about this? Make sure you know what you're getting into. And this... This Lenten season was that 40 days before individuals were baptized, before they joined the church, where they had that last few moments of reflection, of prayer and fasting to make sure they knew what they were doing. And that's where Lent finds its root in the earliest church. As a season where Christians, where converts, where disciples are called to allow space in their life for the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Allow space in our life for the Holy Spirit to convict them. And allow space in our life for the Holy Spirit to call them to repentance so that we can be made new in Christ. If we do not repent, we cannot be made new in Christ. Lent is our season for that. I'm going to make a confession to you. Y'all know I usually don't have a problem talking. I didn't know what I was going to say for tonight for a long time. I've struggled with finding the words for tonight. I don't know why. That's unusual for me. Some preachers labor over sermons. For whatever reason, God, God allows my sermons to come pretty quickly. I've never been a preacher who's had to just labor over a sermon. I couldn't. I couldn't find the words for this one. I don't know why. I just couldn't. Find, and maybe I've got inside my own head. Maybe that was it. But. Um. But as I was reading, those of you who know me, who follow, are rooted in Christ. I, I read the daily lectionary every morning, and I pray the daily lectionary every morning, and I, 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 that's that's one of my disciplines. And when I was reading, yes, the the, the gospel lesson for today, I kind of knew what I needed to say. So I want to share with you just just a additional scripture reading tonight from the Gospel of Luke. You don't have to stand up. I just want you to listen. Coming from Luke chapter, chapter 18. It's a passage you know well. And he told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. But the Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the others, thieves, rogues, adulterers. Or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look to heaven. But beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went to his home justified rather than the other one. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I don't believe our world has ever needed the season of Lent more than we do right now. I think if you look across human history and American history, you'll find times when we were more polarized than we are now. I mean, for goodness sake, we fought a war, so like that was pretty bad, you know? Go back and look at the early political campaigns. You know, they, they weren't pleasant. But in my lifetime... I don't know that I've ever felt the polarization that I feel now. I feel it in our country. I feel it in our politics. To go from preaching to meddling. I feel it in our United Methodist Church. I feel it. And what this polarization does is it pushes us into our corners. It it hardens us. It hardens us. It makes us angry. Because we get into our corners, we get angry. Because when we see what they're doing, when we see what they're doing, we get so frustrated with what they're doing. We get so mad And what they're doing. It just kills us. For us to see what they're doing. It it hurts us to see what they're doing. And if they would just do right, this would be avoided. If they would just act right. And do right. This could be Avoided. If they would just act right and act like me, this could be avoided. All of the polarization, it could be all be avoided. If they would just all act like I am and act right, I feel that way. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the lone voice crying in the wilderness tonight. But I feel that way all the time. when I feel that way and I think that way, you know who I sound like? Oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a thief or an adulterer or a tax collector. When I think that way, I sound like that Pharisee in that text, don't I? If they just be like me and act like me and act right,
0: then it all be perfect.
1: And I sound like and I act like that Pharisee. There are two prayers we can pray this Lenten season, y'all. We have two choices. We can pray, Lord, fix them, or Lord, get them. Sometimes those two prayers mingle together, don't they? Lord, fix them, and Lord, get them, or Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. One of those prayers leads to Hardness into anger, into bitterness. One of those prayers continues us on the hamster wheel that we're currently on. And one of those prayers offers peace. One of those prayers leads to repentance. One of those prayers leads to Jesus. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The older I get, the more I find my inadequacies. The older I get, I was talking to some friends of mine. We were were young preachers. And we were young. We thought we were going to save the world. I just want to try to be faithful myself today, and that's hard enough. (laughs) Making Andy behave is hard enough work. I ain't got time to make y'all behave. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We have two prayers we can pray, y'all, tonight. It feels good to be the Pharisee. Oh, it feels so good. Oh, it feels good. feels good to be elbowing God, say, God, get him. Yeah. We, we know, don't we, God? We know. <laughs> we get them. Feels good. But I think to bitterness and anger. If we're not careful, it leads to separation from God. But the harder prayer to pray, the prayer that changes our lives, the prayer that restores hope, the prayer that restores peace, The prayer that, as the psalmist says, restores unto us the joy of our salvation is Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Tonight, what prayer will we pray? During this Lenten season, what prayer will we pray? Let us pray.